This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball season, it comes and goes. But Crawford Bach just flows and flows. It's the Bach to drink any time of year. You don't need a reason because it's a dang good beer. You can rock the Bach at a music festival or rodeo, Shakespeare in the Park, or Lowrider Car Show. It's the Bach for bonfires and happy hour, South Padre, even your next baby shower. So share a Crawford Bach anytime with your favorite gals and bros. And when baseball season comes back, let's go Strohs! This episode of Astrocast is brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Greetings from Minute Maid Park, where today the Houston Astros take on the Texas Rangers in the finale of a three-game series. The rubber game of this series, as the Rangers evened it up in a game apiece with a 1-0 win over the Astros yesterday. Lance McCullers, seven scoreless, struck out eight in the start. Alex Bregman had a double, but the Astros have dropped two of their last three games, and they're now 24-25 and on the year. Second in the AL West, six and a half games behind the A's. The Rangers last in the West, 12 and a half back with a record of 18-31. and Let's take a look at today's pitching matchup presented by Houston Methodist. Houston Methodist is proud to be the official health care provider for the Houston Astros. Houston Methodist leading medicine. It's Robert Valdez on the mound for the Astros, and he's really been a workhorse in the rotation, but his last two starts, he's combined to allow 13 runs in 12 innings. Yeah, so those numbers didn't look that good, but when you, you watched uh, Valdez in those two starts, the, the stuff wasn't diminished or anything like that, and the curveball's still sharp, and you know, sometimes it just happens that the results can kind of lie to you. So I think Valdez is in still fine form right now, only needed 82 pitches to get through that last outing. So maybe uh, throwing a few less pitches uh, in that last outing will propel him the rest of the way. Meanwhile, it's Jordan Lyles, the former Astro, on the mound for the Rangers. It's been a rough year for him, a 7.80 ERA. Did go seven innings in his last appearance, though. Yeah, for, for whatever reason. We saw Lyles last year, the last couple of months of the season when he was with Milwaukee, and he was phenomenal. Uh, really looked like he had some jump on his four-seam fastball up in the zone, and, and his breaking pitches were all sharp. But this year, he's just not in the same spot as far as his release point goes or, or whatever it is. His high fastball is really getting creamed this year. Uh, his breaking pitch isn't as sharp. It's got a little hump in it. So uh, the Astros are hoping to take advantage of some pitches that are a little flat in this game. Keys to the game presented by Honda. Visit your local Greater Houston Honda dealers for great deals on all models. Honda, the official sponsor of the Houston Astros. Well, yesterday wasn't the Astros' day offensively. I think it was probably more about uh, Kyle Gibson. and Dusty Baker was talking about that earlier today. Sometimes it's just the other guy's day, and it certainly seemed like it was Gibson's day yesterday. Yeah, you watched uh, Gibson. You would have had no idea to, to realize that he pitched so poorly coming into that, that point. His last five starts had an ERA north of eight coming into that, but his stuff was great. His slider was really good. Uh, some of the best stuff we've seen the last few weeks, so not real surprised that the Astros didn't score. Coming up next, we'll hear from Astros manager Dusty Baker, and a little later, we'll hear from Astros outfielder Josh Reddick. But now this from your local station. What's even easier than hitting a home run into the Crawford boxes? Deep to left field, and you can kiss that goodbye into the Landry's Crawford boxes. How about cracking open a delicious Crawford box? Carbox Crawford Bach pairs perfectly with peanuts, stadium dogs, and a good seventh-inning stretch. 
Plus, a portion of the proceeds from each beer goes to the Astros Foundation to support community initiatives. So root, root, root for the Astros with a cold Crawford Bach this season. This is when you would really feel the impact that the, the fans here at Minute Maid Park could make to lift McCullers through this at bat. You know, we'd see everybody on their feet right now. Scoreless ball game. Trying to will McCullers to get out of this inning. Uh-huh. In the, in the roar, you, you could possibly hear with a strikeout. Payoff pitch. Curveball, and it's lifted on the infield. Playable for Correa trotting in just to the left of second. Puts it away with both hands, and the inning is over. Lance McCullers Jr. works around the two-out double and strands Tavares at second. Through five and a half. Astros nothing, Rangers nothing. Right, 84 pitches now. This could be it. Navy blue sleeves all the way to his wrist, McCullers. Orange glove, white cleats, long dark hair. Here's the one, two. Curveball, ground to the left side. Bregman cuts it off to his left, throws across his body, and he gets him. Nice play by the Astros third baseman. So that's it for McCullers, probably seven scoreless innings. And we'll go to the stretch at Minute Maid Park. No score at the Rangers and Astros. Oh, you got Lance McCullers Jr. back yesterday, Dusty, and uh, he looked fantastic. Seven scoreless innings, didn't walk anyone, struck out eight, only allowed a, a couple of hits. And obviously extremely encouraging to see McCullers pitch the way he has, especially with not a whole lot of time left in the regular season. Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it was a pleasant surprise because we didn't really know what to expect, you know, after – uh, you know, after he had that nerve damage, uh, and then, uh, boy, he came out like firing on all cylinders. His breaking ball was sharp. His changeup was great, and his and his velocity uh, was was even higher than it was when he left. Because he was uh, he threw some 95s and 96s up there, and uh, you know he was uh, you know he was awesome. And uh, you know he gave us everything that we that we wanted. Uh, he just got bettered by the other guy on the other team. I mean, because he was, I mean, he was throwing, uh, uh, you know, a great game, throwing his breaking ball when he wanted to uh, early in the count. And then he would freeze you on the fastball late in the count. And plus, you know, uh, a lot of times the, the pitchers pitched to the umpire as well. I was taught that, but, you know, when I first came up and the umpire, you know, was giving him the low strike. Uh, and, and he was a pitcher that was using the, you know, the lower part of the zone. Uh, he's throwing downhill. I mean, uh, he only got a couple pitches, you know, you know, hittable pitches up in the zone. So, uh, you know, it, it was his day yesterday. I mean, I, I didn't know him. I'd never seen him. And uh, I heard he came from Minnesota. I thought I thought he was, you know, some young kid <laughs> in his first start or so when he first went out there. But, um, you know, sometimes you got to chalk it up to the opposition. And that was his day yesterday. The way you used the bullpen yesterday, you had Josh Games coming after – uh, Lance McCullers, and he threw a scoreless inning, struck out a couple. Th does it seem to you that for this Astros team to be at its best the rest of the season and potentially in the postseason, you, you need Josh James to be effective out of the bullpen? Yeah, I mean, certainly so. And uh, that's the best we've seen him throw. Uh, you know, he threw a you know, good inning out on the coast. Uh, you know, he threw the ball well yesterday, excellent yesterday. Had his breaking ball working, had, had, had his fastball uh, – you know, locating it well, and, uh, you know, we're going to need Josh in the back end of that bullpen. And, uh, uh, you know, we missed him. And, you know, here's a guy that knows how to be at the back end of the bullpen, and he's still, you know, such a young uh, 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 pitcher. And so, like, it was very promising to see him, and hopefully he can build on, on what he did yesterday. 
Kyle Gibson, the Rangers starter yesterday, taking advantage of the generous strike zone of Adam Hammery, the home plate umpire last night. You know, now they've really tried to crack down in terms of all the technology and trying to make the strike zone more uniform and have more tools to try and do that now than, than, than used to exist. Do you still see umpires? Do, do you feel like the strike zone's more uniform than it ever has been? Or do you think it's kind of the way it always has been where, you know, certain umpires are going to give you certain pitches in certain spots on a certain day? Well, it's a combination. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, still, uh, you, know, some, you know, some umpires are more, you know, generous to the pitcher and there, and there are some umpires that are more generous to the hitters. And uh, I mean, no matter if there's technology or not, uh, you know, they, they're still going to, you know, call a game that they're, that they're used to calling, you know, even though, you know, they're judged by, by the strike zone that, you know, on the, on the track man or whatever, you know, that they're using. And uh, I was always taught that you keep the umpire, you know, in the equation. Uh, it was easier before you knew who the low ball umpires were. They knew the outside umpires. You knew which umpires. I, I remember guys used to like, uh, especially pitchers, they said, oh, man, uh, you know, they'd be so happy when they got one umpire because they knew he was a pitcher's umpire. And then there's other guys, other times they'd be like, oh, man, I'm not going to get any called strikes tonight. And, and, and those happen to be, you know, you know hitters umpires. Uh, I mean, they're not in reality, but, uh, you know, the strike zone is such. You know, you were taught that, you know, the shorter and stature umpires most of the time call, called, uh, uh, you know, lower pitches because they can get down lower and the, and the, and the umpires, the bigger umpires, you know, you know, call more balls up. And I remember Hank Aaron used to always tell me to make sure you keep the umpire, you know, in the equation. Uh, I mean, he's not as much in the equation as he used to be, but he's still – you know, very much of the equation. Started to experiment with the electronic strike zone in the minor leagues, obviously not this year since there, there isn't any, any minor league baseball. Do you think that that could be an improvement if there's an electronic strike zone because there would be more uniformity and you'd have a better idea of what to expect day in and day out? Well, I hope not, you know, because, that, I mean, you've taken away, you know, the human aspect of the game, you know, uh, and uh, you don't know what, what angles that they have uh, or – or, you know, has it been perfected or not? Because I've heard in the instructional league that there was still a lot of complaining, you know, about the electronic umpires. And so, you know, to me, I mean, that's a big part of the game, you know, and that's a big part of, of, of you know, the fans watching the game, you know, to, to second guess the umpire or for the players or, um, you know, I mean, I, I certainly hope they don't, you know, bring that to the, uh, you know, to the major league level. All right, Dusty Baker, Astros manager, thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck tonight. All right, thank you. This episode of AstroCast is brought to you by Carbock Brewing. This is Steve Sparks, and I'm with Josh Reddick. Josh, I wanted to talk to you uh, mostly because a couple weeks ago, man, you reached an unbelievable milestone. Uh, Let's talk about 10-year service time in the big leagues. Do you ever think you'd get that? Not really. It's something you don't really think about accomplishing until it really sneaks up on you, and it's crazy how fast it did happen. And I can sit here and probably go back over every year in, in, in pretty good detail and yeah. think about, man, 10 years just doesn't seem that far that far long ago. So it's definitely crazy, a great accomplishment. And, uh, you know, Mike and I have had some, some good talks this year and really broke things down and put things into perspective with a guy like him who went through a lot of injuries and, and really yeah. grinded his way here. And for me, fortunately, not, not too many injuries on my slate, knock on wood, but um, – Still very, very special accomplishment. I think it's, they said it was 6% of all big leaguers make it to this, this milestone. So something to definitely be proud of. 
let's think about that pr progression for a little bit because when I think back on it, you know, uh, before I got to high school, I was just thinking, man, how cool it would be to be uh, on the high school varsity someday. Mm -hmm. And then you get to the next level. You just want to play college base. I just want to play college baseball, maybe get uh, a little bit of my education paid for. And it just goes on and on, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that's the first, you got to do it in step by step. You know, if you don't get to the varsity, you're probably not going to make it to the next level. And if you don't get to that point, you probably don't get looked at. So it's definitely something to uh, not take for granted. You know, for me, it was just makes it a little bit more special because I was a guy who wasn't looked at growing up. You know, I, I, we've all heard that I've got cut from my middle school team twice. Um, didn't make varsity until my junior year of high school. And, um, you know, you can go probably around the big leagues and think a majority of people who were playing varsity baseball in their freshman year for four years. So, and then you look at, say for me, you know, wasn't, wasn't looked at at four-year schools, uh, looked at by two junior colleges and, and even one that I went to didn't want me at the first, first time they saw me and ended up going there and doing some special things. I got told by four teams that I was going top 10 in the draft and ended up going 17. So it's definitely been a, a lot of years of, you know, not being expected to do a whole lot, you know, and flying under the radar, so to speak. And I think that that really fits to my big league career as well. Um, really been that, that big superstar name anywhere, but just kind of kept my name under the radar and stuck it out as long as I could. You feel like a lot of that stuff fueled you, I mean, to get better and work harder? Yes and no. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. You know, I, I, I've always looked back at the first one, my middle school coach, and, um, you know, the guy who cut me had the audacity to come up to me a few years after I got drafted and debuted that he uh, wanted to Tell me he was that he said you're welcome to my face for making me motivated and I said some words that can't really be repeated in, in, <laughs> in this interview so um, I, I will never give that a man like that credit uh, I, and, and he didn't do anything to help me motivate my career but I think once I got to where you know the college and the even the, the pro ball is really I think where it kicked in where I, I got drafted behind some studs and some outfielders in, in our draft class in 06 and you know what? I just said, you know what? I'm better than these guys and I'm going to show it. And I just kept hitting and kept hitting. And, you know, those guys kept getting promoted, but I had to work my way up there and hit and hit and, and make myself known. So, um, and eventually I, I surpassed them like, like I knew I would deep down. And I think it more, it more so came in, in the early minor years where I was trying to motivate myself to be better than those guys just because they got drafted yeah. ahead of me. Hey, talent wise, we, we, we've seen it over and over. There's a lot of guys in double A talent wise that could play at the big league level. What's the biggest difference between those two levels? Uh, double A in the big leagues, I think it's a matter of, you know, from the jump from high A to double A, the pitching becomes, you know, a little bit more special and, and in better location and, and movement and yeah. just knowing how to pitch guys as opposed to just throwing. And, and, and once you get that double A to that big league jump, you know, that's a completely different world up there because when you just, when you can't think they can't do anything better and make pitches better and make them move more, you're, you're always thrown back by it. And, you know, the way I look at it back then, it's, it's a lot different now as well. It's like me getting caught up all over again here in the last few years. It seems like everybody here throws 97 with sink or cut now as, as opposed yeah. to back then. It was maybe, you know, you get one guy a series that was throwing 98 with sink as opposed to just some, some 90 to 92s that, are, that were slightly cutting and moving. So I just – I think that, that double A, that, that big league jump is just, you know, from the pitching standpoint, I think we understand that movement, location, and how to pitch guys. You're not just going to get fastballs every day out there. They're going to find different ways to get you out. And, um, you know, obviously the hitters are a lot better at making the adjustments mid-game and in mid-at-bat even. So it's, it's definitely something where, you know, you, you hear make the adjustment, make the adjustment, and that's really what it is. Pitchers and hitters are constantly in a game of chess trying to figure out who's doing what, who's using their pond, who's using their night, and who's using their rook. Yeah. All of a sudden, here comes the queen, and you're, and you're out. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely interesting trying to, trying to learn all these adjustments on the fly. 
It is, isn't it amazing that it never goes away? I mean, you're, you've been in the major leagues uh, as long as a lot of people have ever been in the major leagues, more than 10 years now. But those uh, adversities never go away, do they? Never do, never do. You know, you got you to constantly get your work in every day of a 162-game yeah. season. And, you know, even when you're not playing, you know, for, for me personally, I like to take the, my days off when I get them. I don't really take batting practice. And then I usually take my first swing around the third inning just so I can kind of let my body rest as long Make as possible I don't, until I can't rest anymore. So I think those days are valuable too. When you're in here and you're, and you're coming in here every day and you're an every, everyday guy, you got to learn what, what the guy's doing that night and you got to forget about last night. You know, had an over three last night and didn't hit the ball very well. Turn the page, move on to the day and worry about Jordan Lyle. So it's just something about moving on and, and, and work, worrying about the next guy as, as, as much as possible. All right, when you're going to face an opposing pitcher, what do you want to know about him? The guy that you're facing tonight, say it's Jordan Lyles, what do you want to know about him? I want to know what his best two pitches are, what he's going to use more than really anything. Um, I, I also like to look back at how he pitched me in the past, okay. uh, whether it be last start or even five years ago. I just like to see what, 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 how he does, how his pitches move, um, where, he's like, where he likes to pitch a lefty. So I watch a lot of lefty at-bats off of him from the year where he likes to throw those guys. Um, just try to get a basis. But my biggest thing is watching hard hit balls off of the pitcher. A lot of guys I know go to like the strikeout pitches and That's pitches yeah. where get you out. I don't want to look at that. I don't want to think negatively in the back of my mind when I get in the box. I want to look at it and go, all right, if he hangs his curveball on the back side, I want to make sure I stay through it and drive it through the other way. Or if he throws that fastball in, I want to make sure I get my hands inside and not look at the curveball down below the zone the guys swing over or opposing and the changeup away. So I like to see how he's how hard he's getting hit when he is getting hit. So you want to keep putting positive things in your mind. If there's a kid out there and you're going to tell him uh, you got a tee at home, uh, there's one drill that I could give you that I think is going to make you a better hitter, what would it be? Oh, man, tee is your best friend. Yeah. No matter how much you despise hitting off it, I'm not a big fan of hitting off it to this day, and I'm 33. Yeah. But I go in that cage every day, and I get the tee work in because it gets me where I need to be ready and loose. And I can work on stuff. But my, my biggest thing for me, I like using – a short bat, which I know isn't really a big thing yeah. in the younger era and the age of, of all those kids, but um, one I've been doing since high school, it's a slightly open and a slightly closed stance. So you're, you're still focused on hitting the ball straight back up the middle of the cage, but you're turning to hit the ins This is like you're, in, you're obviously you're indicating the inside pitch yep. and the open is indicating the outside pitch just to help that? keep your front hip locked because my biggest issue when I'm struggling is always that front hip starts flying out. And, and as soon as you feel that front hip fly out in that drill, you're going to notice it. And you're going to roll over right into the right of the cage every time. Interesting. All right. Your twins, how old are they now? Almost one. On the second, they will be officially one-year-old. Do they like to play ball? Do they like to chase things around? What are they doing? They, they are obsessed with basketball. We've got about three little basketball toy hoops nice. in, our, in our house. And one of them's obviously got the lights and the sounds. And Ryder is obsessed with it. Anytime he sees it, he'll go over there and spend 10 minutes on it, just picking a ball up and putting it in the hoop, putting it in the hoop. And then Maverick will crawl over there eventually, and he'll start doing it and putting it in the hoop. So we haven't gotten to too much of the baseball stuff yet because obviously you can only limit yourself with so much when they're only crawling. But yeah, that time's coming. With the baseball activities, it's coming. But the basketball is, is the one they focus on right now, whether it's in our playroom, our living room, or our bathtub. We have suction cup basketball hoops everywhere you look around our house. There we go. That's Josh Reddick. Hey, man, congratulations on the milestone. Proud of you. Thank you. AstroCast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLB, and your Astros. 
Brought to you by Carbock Brewing. Looking up, see you later! Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to Astrocast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast of the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Lance McCullers. Take away from what you were able to do well this evening. Uh, threw the ball well. Could you elaborate on what went well for you and where you think you're you're still making progress and where you still like to improve? I was happy with the way I mixed my pitches and executed. You didn't use your changeup very much. Any reason for that? No. Was your, your heavier curveball usage, was that your plan going in or was that more product of how effective it was early for you? Um, yeah, I would say I felt good with it early, so I stuck with it. Lance, how would you uh, stack up your performance tonight against the, the earlier in the, during, during the rest of the season? It was just one of your – you feel like this was one of your better ones. How do you view it? Yeah, it was a solid effort. Sad that, uh, you know, we couldn't get the Team W. Uh, yeah, that's what we care about. How did you feel uh, physically after the layoff? Felt good. Could you describe what you've had to do in terms of rehab since you uh, had the uh, the nerve problem and had to take a shot, I believe, to, to help things improve? Is that correct? Yeah, I uh, had some sort of weird nerve issue. We think we got it flying to Anaheim. And uh, got the shot and felt good after. All right, questions for Josh James. Josh, can you talk about what the difference has been for you your last couple outings? Uh, Dusty talked about uh, the way you've been able to throw strikes, that kind of thing. Can you go through that for us? Um, honestly, it's just been confidence uh, in my stuff and uh, in, in my hips. So uh, it feels like everything's just kind of starting to, to click. But like early in the season, I just had some bad luck that kind of, and some self-inflicted, uh, some self-inflicted stuff going on with not throwing strikes and getting behind in counts. That led to some, you know, um, some bad luck, and I could never kind of every time I felt like I was getting, you know, myself in the right direction. Um, I felt like something would happen, and you know, I would, uh, I'd, you know, slide, you know, make a, a step back and. Uh, finally feels like I'm starting to get some momentum going um, in the right direction. So I'm happy about that. Best you felt in a while? Yes. 100%. Josh, I don't think we've talked to you since like you got back. What exactly was your hip injury? Because it didn't look great in Colorado at all. Yeah, just just hip discomfort. Um, uh, just really, it, it, had been, it had been bothering me for a little while and uh, I felt, you know, felt a little something in there, so decided to take a couple, take some time off to to let it heal up, and um, starting to feel a lot better now, more confidence um, in that front, in that hip. So, yeah, so Josh, JJ, was it good? Was it good in a way that that happened in Colorado? Because it might not have gotten better had you not taken time off if it was bothering you before that play. Um, yeah, uh, I think you know, there's always uh, in certain things, there's always a blessing in disguise. Um, it also allowed me to go back and, you know, uh, 
you know, work on some stuff uh, down in Corpus and, um, you know, do some drills and uh, kind of slow down and, 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 you know, work with um, Bill Murphy and, um, and Drew French down in uh, Corpus and, uh, and, you know, get some, re you know, some rehab on it. And, and, and so uh, I'm glad I'm, I'm, you know, never glad to get hurt, but uh, I'm glad that it gave me a chance to, to get better and to feel better. What'd you work on in Corpus? Um, just tunneling some stuff, uh, just throwing some stuff through, you know, making sure I'm throwing stuff through the zone. Uh, uh, that was the biggest emphasis, uh, when I was down there, just throwing everything through the zone. Hey, hey Josh, just switching gears real quick, doing a story on Houston being a bubble city for a player or even a fan that's never been there, obviously player this year. What, what's unique about, about playing in that stadium? What would you tell someone that's never played there? And you, are, are you speaking about a uh, minute Maid? Yeah. Um, it's perfect. I mean, you're indoors. <laughs> you don't have to, you have to worry about heat or, or wind, you know, it's, you're just playing baseball. I mean, that's the only thing really. I mean, this, I mean, it's going to be a bubble, so you're not leaving the hotel. I mean, which sucks because you don't get to enjoy the great city. But, uh, I mean, the ballpark's great. The mound's great. AstroCast is brought to you by Carbach Brewing, the official podcast of the Houston Astros. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 